So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day, hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we are drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. Oh, hey, Michael. Hey, hey, what are we drinking today? We are drinking a Sunshine Hazy IPA, courtesy of the Hellbent Brewing Company. We are uh, taking a break from, you know, making lists to make another list today. It's about that time we are looking ahead and seeing what movies are on the horizon that we are excited about. I understand your most anticipated list is not ranked. Mine is not ranked as we went over. I feel like ranking is pointless after last year, knowing just how much effort I put into trying to think that through and how none of those came out. Um, there's movies that I had in my top 10 last year that aren't in my top 10 this year, um, but I'm not ranking them. Yeah, for me, sometimes you discover the ranking as movies get closer to their release date and you realize you'll have to start making like decisions about actually seeing stuff or not seeing stuff. And then and the you just figure out. it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And sometimes the trailer really underscores what you were expecting. For better which or worse. Which is definitely possible with one of my entries from director Ridley Scott. So we will see. We'll dig in. Uh, any initial comments about the making of your list? Um... Yeah, I guess it it was primarily made up of me assembling like 40 movies that are coming soon on Letterboxd that I want to see. And then going through and really ironing out which ones have distribution deals, which ones have theatrical windows already, which ones are scheduled to show up in festivals this year. And anything that I couldn't find definitive proof of, we went over this with Annette. It's the only reason it's not in my list is because I can't find proof it's going to actually appear this year, so I'm only going with movies that have, as of this moment, 2.14 p.m. on March 20th, 2021, been announced to come out this year in some form. I like it. I like it. How about you? So, my list are all movies, I think almost all of my movies, have already premiered somewhere. Some of them at European festivals and just, they're on the horizon. I think it's they're all entirely... It's, it's feasible all of these could come out this year, but entirely possible some of these will come out the following year, too. It's just un, unclear with uh, some of these foreign titles. Um, I tried to get some national variety. I almost had 10 countries, but I ended up mm. with Japan twice. Um, uh, yeah, so I would consider these all movies on the horizon, but I wouldn't bet... A ton of money that all 10 will come out this year. Fingers crossed, though. All right. Can I take one blind bet on the horses? What you got? I'm going to say that there's a movie that I don't know the name of coming out from director Lee Chang Dong that might be a new mm. list. I wish. I wish no? there was a okay. new Lee Chang Dong. I was taking a bet on South Korea. It was that or maybe the Bong Joon-ho untitled? We have a Korean film, but no Bong Joon-ho, no Lee Chang Dong. I am intrigued. Although I think I've heard Bong Joon-ho is already working on his next movie. He is, yeah. He's got an untitled project that, that's well well underway. Um, how do you want to go about this? I don't know. Do you have rankings that you want to reference? Do you want to start us off with your number 10? or? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty indifferent to the order of my movies, but I have an order I'm going with. Are you just okay. going to jump around uh, based on your impulse? I wrote impulse? them down, and I will list them in the order that I wrote them down. Fair enough, fair enough. I think I think your gut has ranked them for you. Yes. Right? Yes. That I mean, means my, something. My number one is definitely my number one. I can tell you that. Got it. Understood. Uh, you want to kick us off? Sure. Uh, let's begin with my... 10th most anticipated film if you're going to pretend that they're ranked and that is Andrew Dominic's Blonde starring Ana de Armas um, I really really responded to this director's work in the past um, I don't quite love the assassination of Jesse James at the level that others do but I do think he's a tremendous filmmaker with broad scope and really unique uh, camera styling so I'm excited to see what he did with an actress like Ana definitely uh one i'm excited for i still have not seen the assassination of uh jesse james so i need to catch up with that there's another one he did i think it's called don't kill them soft or killing them softly something like that with brad pitt yeah that's right it's another good one if if you're interested got it got it cool my number 10 again not particularly uh ordered i have the disciple which is an indian film filmmaker's name is uh chitanya tamane this actually premiered at new york film festival but it was a title i just did not get to when we covered the festival uh, but it's one i have heard high high praise for um this filmmaker's last film was in uh came out in 2014 uh that was called court which was quite well received and uh, this one is about a musician, an Indian musician, who's trying to like follow in his father's footsteps and uh, practice this traditional form of Indian music and is kind of navigating this tension between the uh, his practice for spiritual pur- purposes and the commercialization of his work. Um, looks ravishing, looks beautifully shot. Um, yeah, it's called The Disciple. Hopefully that'll... Uh, be coming out here soon sounds interesting my um next one is nightmare alley directed by Guillermo del toro got rooney mara camp blanchett reteaming after uh, a film that that left a lot of people um you know desiring more of a team up from those two um and i think that there's you know michael stuhlbarg and uh, if I remember correctly, uh, Michael Shannon's in it. it. It's got like this great large cast and it's about carnies. Um, and I think it's an adaptation of a novel. It's Guillermo del Toro. I'm in. It's pretty easy. <laughs> del Toro's one filmmaker I still haven't really come around on in a big way. Hopefully that could change that. My number nine is called The Works and Days. This is a Japanese film. It's co-directed by two filmmakers. Their names are C.W. Winter and Anders Edstrom. This is far and away the longest movie on my list, clocking in at a breezy eight hours. I'm highly intrigued by this. It has received quite a bit of attention. It won won an award at whatever European festival it premiered at. Uh, Grasshopper's putting it out. Um, I'll take the under on you watching it. Mm. Because I remember that you were really, really eager to see LaFleur. And mm. um, we know how that went. That movie was twice as long. So I would say my odds are hopefully doubled by that math. Okay, so my payout's double. 
yeah, super simple plot description. Uh, I like just a little snippet of the description on Grasshopper. It's a geographic description of the work and non-work of a farmer. It's set in the Kyoko, Kyoto Prefecture of Japan. I like this line. A portrait over five seasons of a family, of a terrain, of a soundscape, of a duration itself. I like that idea. You know, the I think it was Tarkovsky who said that cinema is about uh, – sculpting with time the idea that a movie's willing to really um see that idea through and and engage with the um passage of time itself and really just you know the idea of just fully immersing um us in uh a place and a story for for that long is something that uh i'm excited about we're we'll have much shorter works on my list as well but i think the Roger Ebert quote that no good movie is too long is something that I hope holds true with this one. Yes, it's something that you kind of want to build your whole weekend around, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, It makes me think of that Abbas Kiarostami quote. Uh, he says something to the effect of, I, I take no um, insult to people falling asleep during my work. Oh, and yeah, I mean yeah. that sincerely. It brings me great pleasure, I think, is like the full quote that he says. I have um, fallen asleep to Kiristami before. Yes, and it, I mean, his movies really are that as a compliment because of how it's framed. So, yes, um, my title is Ridley Scott's The Last Duel. Now, this is a weird one because I'm not normally going to go for these AAA prestige movies in theaters, but I've been begging for a sword and sandal type of flick for a long time. This has three writers, Nicole Hall of Center, Matt Damon, and Ben Affleck. Matt mm-hmm. Damon and Ben Affleck both star in it with Adam Driver and one of my new favorite actresses, Jodie Comer. Uh, where do we know Jodie Comer from? Uh, Killing Eve, most notably. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then she's great. been in a couple oh, other her. series. Oh, she's great. Yeah, she's she's really fantastic. So, um, yeah, it's a throwback. Charles the Sixth declares that Knight Jean de Carouge settle his dispute with his squire by challenging him to a duel. And I believe that Matt Damon plays the knight and that Adam Driver is the squire and Ben Affleck plays the king. So I'm I'm down. You're down. <laughs> that one. That's not one of the HBO Max ones, is it? No, it's Fox Searchlight, now Disney okay. Searchlight, um, and it mm. is scheduled for a theatrical release, I believe, currently. Let me check my notes here. The last duel is October 15th, theatrical release. There we go. All right. I like it. Your number six, yeah? Or is this oh, seven? I'm only at number eight. We got a ways seven. to go still. I should have put numbers next to it, just That's so that okay. I can track. <laughs> my number eight we go from the longest one on my list to the shortest one on my list, which is a short. This is 30 minutes long. It is called Earth, Earth, Earth. Filmmaker is Daiichi Saito. It's a Japanese filmmaker. Um, his last film was uh, 2015's Engram of Returning. This, uh, again, his, his newest one, Earth, 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 also played at um, uh, some festivals in Europe. And it's uh, primarily comprised of footage of uh, mountainscapes in the Andes. It's shot in 35 millimeter. Um, One critic who I really like uh, tweeted something about it on, on, she tweeted on Twitter, obviously, and said that that she loved it. She was eager to re-see it and was uh, uh, 
hopeful about pairing it with uh, a film I loved from a couple of years ago that both of us loved from a couple of years ago called Altiplano. Um, I was about to say that sounds like an Altiplano type thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think especially during COVID when there is so much footage um, and so much cinema at our fingertips, I think it has been easy to almost overlook shorts in a way. It can seem sometimes like shorts feel like more frivolous works of cinema. One thing I was intrigued about um, with this one was that his last film came out in 2015, and he's literally been almost working on it for about that much time, over five years, and it's only a 30-minute movie. Um, and if you just just Google Earth, 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 Daiichi Saito, the, the images are incredible. I think they're really, really beautiful compositions that kind of turn the, the mountainscapes into these kind of abstract, really colorful images. Um, I think it looks really, really cool. Uh, Earth, Earth, Earth. That sounds awesome. What is your number seven? Scott Cooper's Antlers. This was on my list last year. It's on my list again. I really, really, really want to see this freaking movie. And I loved Hostiles, the film that he made before this. And we've been waiting, I think, since 2019 for it. The end of 2019, then all of 2020, and now we're in the beginning of 2021. So technically three years. Long time. I remember watching the trailer vividly, being psyched, thinking it was around the corner. It was not. And then thinking it was going to get like The Lodge, where it's like, okay, it's going to come out in February, maybe not October. And then COVID happened, and it came out never. Um, but Antlers, we've gone over it a lot. We've done First Impressions, Carrie Russell, Scott Cooper, um, all in whenever it does come. What is your next title? My number seven is called... This is a bit of a mouthful. What do we see when we look at the sky? It's a Georgian film. It's two and a half hours. Direct, the director's name is Alexander uh, Koberides. I'm probably bungling that. Uh, from the very short tealer that was on the Berlin uh, Film Festival's website, I kind of got the feel of a... Um, Berlin school type of filmmaking, even though this is a Georgian filmmaker, he kind of feels like Christian Petzold or Angela Shanalak. Um, it is about two people, a man and a woman, from the I'm gathering this from the synopsis, who bump into each other one day, kind of have it, this love at first sight experience, are so kind of overwhelmed by this meeting that they don't even ask each other their names. And in this kind of magical, realist flourish they wake up the next day as different people and they're trying to find each other again in this whatever european city uh it is set in um just sounds super kind of in, in, intriguing in that uh christian petzold uh kind of way um it's it's shot totally straight it looks like the world as we know it and yet there's these kind of surreal flourishes to it um i think it sounds super interesting um it's been very well received. Uh, what do we see when we look at the sky? That sounds delightful. I love me some some romanticism of that nature. Yeah. Um, my next title is Taylor Sheridan's Those Who Wish Me Dead. I think we've been waiting since Wind River for a follow-up from him. I think that he may have done some screenwriting on a project that came out since then, but I um, let me see if I can find what that one would have been. Um, Right, it, it would have been Sicario, right? Because Wind River mm. was 2017. The Sicario follow-up was the year after, so we've been waiting quite some time for his follow-up. Um, Those Who Wish Me Dead has Angelina Jolie, Nicholas Holt, Tyler Perry, 
John Bernthal, Aidan Gillen, who people probably know best from Game of Thrones. Um, he might be one of the most recognizable names, actually, now that I think about it. But um, I really like Sheridan's direction style. Um, he tells great outdoor stories that are full of intrigue and drama. Um, he famously wrote Hell or High Water, the original Sicario screenplay. I'm really into him as a writer. Um, and even if I don't like this film, it's probably going to end up being one of the most interesting screenplays I watched this year. Yeah, I think he's one of the writers, maybe the creator of um, Yellowstone? The TV show? I think so, yeah. Yeah, he's that's been right. busy on that, which is just probably cutting some nice paychecks from that. I think that show's done quite well. It has. It has. <laughs> it's one of my dad's favorite new shows. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I've actually been intrigued by that recently because I only just recently learned he was behind that. And I was like, I have new feelings about this show now. It, it's kind mm-hmm. of like if Ozark was like more PG than, than yeah. you know, PG-13 and also had like as much death or like weird background story as ozark and like breaking bad where like everyone seems to feed into the same system and know everyone else yeah it's on it's on one of the uh paramount paramount yeah yeah that's why i feel like that's only kind of barely come on my radar but i yeah i'm intrigued uh your number five or six number six is one that we have done a first impression on way back when, and that is About Endlessness, which is from Roy Anderson. It was probably about this time last year that we did a trailer for it. It might have been a teaser trailer, if I'm remembering correctly. And I still think there's only a teaser trailer out there. Uh, Swedish film, it's an hour and 18 minutes. I haven't seen any Roy Anderson movies before, but just from the look of the movie, I'm very intrigued. Um kind of uh, absurdist tragic comedy with this very kind of gray, almost painterly look, kind of deadpan, um, but very expressive. You know, in the trailer we saw people had this like kind of pasty white looking appearance about them on the poster of the film. You see this couple that's like, it's this very gray cloudy image and this couple's floating over a sky. Very kind of surreal. Uh, Looked cool. I just think uh, I'm the imagery alone intrigues me. Uh, that's about endlessness. Number six. Sounds intriguing. That's another one that I have to add to my list because I, I don't even remember doing the first impression on it. It was short it from what I remember. Um, my number five is from a small filmmaker, uh, Wes Anderson. You know, nobody's ever heard of him. Who dat? <laughs> uh, French Dispatch. It was in my list last year. It's in my list this year. And if everything holds according to plan, it will be released theatrically this year, but it does not have a scheduled date, even though it is completely done, which is a little bit infuriating, but that's all right. Bill Murray, Benicio Del Toro, Francis McDormand, Jeffrey Wright, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, Owen Wilson, Timothy Chalamet, Leia Sadu. I mean, I could just keep going. These are great actors. I want to see the movie. The end. Give it to me. (laughs) I, yeah, I, it just feels like we've talked about this movie for so long. I'm at a loss of words. I just want to see it already. I yeah. don't know what else to say. It's like, it, it all, I already watched it. That's how I feel about it. And it's like so annoying that I haven't. It's getting like confusing in my head. I'm like, I know those images, but yeah. no, I haven't seen that movie are we yet. Gonna, are we going to do two Wes Anderson movies like in the same year? Like you can't, you can't get the people addicted to Wes Anderson yeah, you, if you feel like, one year. You feel like filmmakers are going to start to lap themselves somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. don't, don't, you got to spread the taste. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. All right, my number five is 
I think the only documentary on my list, it is Swimming Out Till the Sea Turns Blue. Uh, this was a Chinese documentary that was at New York Film Festival. This is by uh, Zha Zhangka. Um, it is uh, kind of in line with the rest of his work in sort of reflecting on China's uh, transformation over the past several decades. But he's sort of looking at it through the work of three poets. Um and I'm not quite sure what the form of this documentary looks like, but um, he is um, telling a story about the work of these three different Chinese poets um, and how their uh, art reflects the changes, the great changes that China has undergone. Um, very well received thus far. I really like the filmmaker's work. Um, few images from it that I've seen look beautiful. Very excited. Swimming out till the sea turns blue. So you were right when you said that there's just not going to be any crossover, weren't you? <laughs> Got to try to keep things interesting. <laughs> Got to shake it up a little bit. All right. My, I think, number four uh, is Petite Maman, Celine Siama's follow-up film to the, you know, otherworldly, The Portrait of a Lady on Fire. How do you put it any other way? It's just incredible. Uh, it's, it's a great feat. Um, this is the follow-up film. I don't believe it has any of the actresses that we fell in love with with that film. It's a totally different story about an eight-year-old um, who just lost her grandmother. Um, I'm, I'm not too sure what the exact tone is, but it's 72 minutes, which is right in my wheelhouse for Ooh, a long like time. And uh, it just had its premiere at Berlinale, did quite well. Um, it's It's averaging quite a high score there's still some dissenting opinions but not many um so it's on my short list i mean how can you not be interested in maybe one of the most intriguing filmmakers that's kind of announcing themselves right now yeah to me you know when portrait of a lady on fire came out that felt like such a um like I, I totally experienced that film, like kind of disconnected from her other movies. I, I, I'd Me seen too. That movie. I've never seen a movie from her before. She did one called Girlhood, um, a few years before Portrait of a Lady on Fire. But like the hype and the the buzz around Portrait of a Lady on Fire was so strong that it was like I just totally saw that movie in a vacuum. Um, but I know she also has that movie called I think. Is it Tomboy that also has a photo of a young that, yeah. girl on the cover, I think, or, or, or a young boy? I'm actually, I can't, I just remember the image. But anyways, my point is just that those early films seemed like they're, they're actually more about children. It seems like mm-hmm. this actually will circle back to those other movies more, um, which could be interesting. Yeah. I, now that she's thrown the gauntlet down, I'm interested to see, like, what exactly she does in the ring. Honestly, it is kind of a scary position to be in, I have to imagine. Who wants to follow something up? like that or same with like Bong Joon-ho like sometimes I wonder if we uh only (laughs) put put more pressure on them than needed to try to follow these things up the beautiful thing about their universal success as American films is that normally it happens like a year year and a half after they're done with the film so if they have a good work ethic they've already moved on before they get the reaffirmation stay focused yeah so hopefully they'll they'll have already stayed on the track and then be set totally cool uh my number four is benediction which is the yes. latest from uh terrence davies uh british filmmaker um this kind of pairs with my last one and this is also about a poet this is about the british poet writer and soldier siegfried sassoon 
Uh, Terrence Davies' last movie was 2016's A Quiet Passion. Before that, it was uh, uh, Sunset Song. Um, I need to see that still. I really, really like this this filmmaker's work. Um, I think we see Siegfried Sassoon in uh, two different time periods from what I'm gathering in this movie. I think in his younger years, he's played by Jack Lowden. Um, who that sounds familiar. I, I remember him best from a movie I, I didn't really like, but it was the one with Florence Pugh fighting with my family, where he was Florence oh, Pugh's brother. Guy, yeah. yeah, British... Uh, actor i liked him a lot in that movie which i otherwise thought was fine but um excited to see what he does here um benediction number four that sounds great when you first said that i was thinking you were saying benedetta it took me a oh minute. benedetta is i could i could just as easily swap benediction benediction with benedetta also because very benedetta did not make my list and like it it hurt me but there's no clear distribution so um my number three Denny Villeneuve's Dune. I think that, you know, the trailer speaks for itself. It's epic. It is the beginning of an original um, interpretation, at least, of the the masterwork from Frank Herbert. And if it does well, hopefully we'll get sequels. Hopefully the HBO Max show turns out well. I really want to see this, not just film, but I want to see this be a series that isn't about... um, being like Star Wars or Marvel, where it's just like how many butts get in the seat, but it's like, what can a visionary filmmaker do at scale when they're allowed to just focus on making something great that is great for no other reason than they want it to be great? Um, whereas everything else just feels very compromised in the space. Uh, Villeneuve's one of the few directors at this scale that doesn't feel compromised. And if we get to make it to book four, which I know, Michael, you have no idea what that would mean. But if we can get to the God Emperor of Dune, this is going to be awesome. Release date on that one? Uh, the release date is, I think, still up in the air as far as um, if they might reschedule. But it's going to do a double release on HBO Max and theatrical. And it's October 1st right now. That feels like a date that would get pushed back to me just because I think that the the more profitable weekends happen after November 14th. Mm. And I think they'd be shooting themselves in the foot to have waited this long and not wait a little bit longer for those holiday weekend grosses. But um, I might be off. Maybe maybe this year is going to be so unpredictable for grosses. As soon as everyone's vaccinated and everything reopens, we're probably just going to throw giant parties and ignore rules or like, you know, normal patterns of behavior. <laughs> So I think I think those who wish me dead is an HBO Max one two. Will you wait for the theatrical release? Same or? day and same date. So anything that is on HBO okay. Max okay. and is also in theaters, same day and date. Mm-hmm. And I will go see it in theaters, provided we stay open. Got it. Got yes. it. I will, will Dolby Vision or IMAX that. I will make that fifteen minute drive. That is no problem. There you go. There you go. I, my number three is Introduction. Uh, this is a Korean film. This is from Hong Sang-soo. Yes. A nice 66 minutes. Uh, if it does come out this year, he will have two coming out this year, which is actually, I don't think that's that unusual for him because he's like just that kind of productive and prolific. And also he has movies from 2013 getting U.S. distribution like eight years later. Exactly <laughs> right. Uh, the Woman Who Ran, 
uh, played at New York Film Festival that's scheduled for distribution this year. That's one of um, your top ten films. Oh, for sure. Oh, no doubt. Hopefully, I uh, will get two on the list from Hong Sang Soo. Um, yeah, I'm so jealous. We'll see. Soderbergh has like two movies, but like they're probably not going to both mm. come out this year. You know, so TBD. Poor me. What's your number three or next one? We'll just say my next number one. two is. Mm. Last Night in Soho from Edgar Wright. I've been waiting for this sucker for a while. I really think that Anya Taylor-Joy is kind of the the second coming of uh, a competent actor who can also have star power. Uh, I think Queen's Gambit was just kind of the ramp up to that. She's been a lot of people's uh, shortlist of favorites. She's acting um, opposite timeline, I think, if I understand this correctly, of Thomas and Mackenzie, who I also absolutely love as a performer. Um, really intrigued to see what Wright does um, with the screen here. He's always made films that have some of my favorite editing, whether it's Scott Pilgrim or Baby Driver. I just love how smooth and fast it's edited. I love the way that the soundtrack cuts in. Um, yeah. What can I say? I'm excited. There you go. Cool, cool. My number two is Memoria. It's a Thai film from a Pichapong We Receptacle. Yes. Uh, this, I kind of thought was going to come out last year, actually. I think this was maybe almost on my list last year. This one stars Tilda Swinton. Um, he's a Thai filmmaker. It looks like this is set in Colombia, and it's actually in the English language. I think it's his first English language film. Um, we talked about Uncle Boon Me, who can recall his past lives on the show once before. Um... His last movie was 2015's Cemetery of Splendor, which is actually a movie I saw and did not like. However, my tastes have just changed quite a bit. I'm eager to try and revisit if I can before Memoria comes out. Um, I remember reading the synopsis of that and hearing it was a ghost story and watching it in like the middle of the day while doing laundry and then realizing it was not the kind of ghost story I thought it was going to be. So that's I'm due for a rewatch on that one ahead of Memoria coming out. Um but uh well you, you've intrigued me let me ask for the listeners and myself what type of ghost story is it then michael oh it is a much more contemplative and spiritual kind of a ghost story than okay so it's a, exactly like boon yeah but i mean in 20, is a ghost story correct but in 2015 i thought i was getting like i don't know the thai version right. of the purge okay so you watched or not it, the purge but you watched whatever. it when it came out yeah, yeah. In yeah. 20. Okay, okay, okay. Correct, correct. Okay, gotcha. I, I had no gotcha. idea who this director was. That's at the exactly time. why I've avoided it because it's like, for him, I need to have like black tea. It needs to be like 9 45 a.m. I need to have nothing on my schedule and like way too much cognitive willpower that early in the morning for me to like get in there. It was not a laundry movie. It at is all. not a laundry movie. <laughs> What's your next one? Your number one, right? My number one. This is an actual number one. This is potentially, you know, just one of the most anticipated filmmakers perpetually until his death. This is Terrence Malick's The Way of the Wind. Um, It is a dramatization of several episodes in the life of Christ. It stars Geza Rorig as Jesus. Playing Peter is Matthias Schoenertz. Satan, one of my favorite actors, Mark Rylance. This is... This is it, man. This is... I, if I'm throwing down my gauntlet like Celine Siama did with Portrait of a Lady on Fire, it's, this is probably going to be in my top three if it does indeed come out. And right now it is scheduled to premiere at 
Khan, and I I could see it being one of my favorite films because when he gets to be wholly using the the form of filmmaking to express his um, his views on religiosity is kind of when he he really graduates into that that splendor place where it just feels transcendental, and I love when he does that. So I'm I'm all about it. Very excited for that one as well. Uh, my number one is The Girl in the Spider, a German film. It's an hour and 38 minutes. Uh, it is from Ramon and Sylvan Zercher, whose last film was 2013's The Strange Little Cat. If I could remake my, if I were to remake my list of the best of the 2010s on any given day, that film is very likely to be in the mix. That is, a, it's a fascinating sort of deceptively simple little movie about a uh, German family. It's set almost entirely in their apartment, made with just this incredible formal precision. So we watch them kind of go about this kind of mundane day um, and, and interact with each other, and it's just imbued with an incredible sense of mystery um, just because of the formal control on display. Um the plot description for this one reads, Lisa is moving out. Mara is left behind. As boxes are shifted and cupboards built, abysses begin to open up and an, emo- and an emotional roller coaster is set in motion. A tragic comic catastrophe film, a poetic ballad about change and transience. Uh, this played at Berlin, I think, as well. Um, have you been hearing good things? Uh the Girl and the Spider. Very, Just building very on that, from what I'm reading here, this is the second part of a trilogy? Uh, I did not know that. Could be, yeah, loosely uh, like a spiritual trilogy, perhaps. Yeah, it's a planned trilogy about human togetherness, apparently, um, after The Strange Little Cat, which was part one. And then um, Ramon Zercher appears to be like the primary director, but it looks like family member Sylvan Zercher is the co-director. Yeah, yeah, that sounds um, right. But it's their first film. Which is very interesting. I, I don't think that's accurate. I think... No? Okay. I think Ramon Zercher directed 2013. I think maybe Sylvan's new to the mix? Yeah, that's what I mean. Sylvan, oh, okay. Sylvan okay. this is like directorial debut with uh, Ramon Zercher as like, a more storied director. Very interesting. See, this wasn't on my list, but now it is. There we go. That's it. That's it. Those are... Now we wait. No take backs. <laughs> uh, this is our most anticipated and we're sticking to it. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant. You're the best and we love you! And that's another one in the can.